excited today. We're talking to Hakeem Vallis, who is one of the biggest inspirations behind why I even wanted to start a podcast in the first place. Uh, Hakeem played in the NFL for about three years and then realized his passion for real estate investment was kind of taking over his passion for football. Um, I found Hakeem uh, actually through a video he shared on on LinkedIn um, where he was talking about how he started investing in real estate while he was with the Arizona Cardinals and it really just piqued my interest and I reached out to him and uh, that was one of the greatest things I ever did because it led to this show um, and it led to a really great relationship. I can't wait for you guys to hear the wisdom that Hakeem has because uh, every time I have a conversation with him, I walk away knowing more and being more inspired um, than I was beforehand. So I uh, hope you guys enjoy. All right. Um, so I'm here with Hakeem Vallis. Hey, Jake, thanks for having me. I'm really, really excited to be a guest on the show. Yeah, so I'm sure most of you out there listening don't know, but um, Hakeem is actually probably the main inspiration uh, behind this podcast. So there's uh, a lot of people that have helped me put in a lot of work for this. But basically one morning right after... uh, our morning workouts, I was kind of scrolling through my phone and I was on LinkedIn and I saw this video and it was some of Hakeem's content and he put it out there and he was talking about, and I'll let him talk about it more, but basically um, a cool thing he did while uh, he was on the Arizona Cardinals. Um, and I was like, man, that's awesome. That's something I'd totally want to do um, one day if I were in that position. And I reached out to him had a phone call with him and he was preaching all this stuff about kind of self-promotion, personal branding as an athlete and pointed me to this video uh, about the stuff. And, you know, he suggested like, you know, you could start a podcast. I wish I did that in college. And it kind of just stuck with me um, and and grew from there. And I'm I'm thankful uh, for all that stuff. So, I mean, first and foremost, thank you. Oh man, that's a, that was, that was really, really, heartwarming probably one of the nicest things someone said to me in a while and that really inspires me to actually keep double downing and putting out more and more content because there's probably more student athletes like yourself that are out there that haven't heard my message yet so I'm really really grateful for your uh for your kind words yeah before we hop into uh, what was in that video that that made me want to reach out um Let's uh, go into your background a little bit and, and just kind of tell the audience who you are. Absolutely. So my name's Hakeem, um, Hakeem Vallis. I went from New Jersey, small town in New Jersey, South Jersey, about half hour outside of Philadelphia. Um, grew up always wanting to be a basketball player. Uh, wanted to go to the NBA. Um, when I was young, I always knew I was an entrepreneur. You know, back in grade school, I was cutting grass Middle school, I used to sell Skittles um, to make an extra buck. Um, going from high school and into college, I uh, actually learned how to fix phones and used to fix about three, four phones a day um, while I was in college. Um, and then while I was in college, my, my degree was in business with a concentration in real estate. 
And I also flipped about 10 houses in the North Jersey area while I was living uh, up there. And from there, you know, I, I was a bench player at Monmouth University. I didn't see the field until my senior year. Got my first catch senior year, first touchdown, second game of my senior year. And uh, started every game after that, after the third game of my senior year. And uh, kind of took it from there and ran with it. Um, went from my senior year to my fifth year, um, I really you know, had a conversation with my, my tight ends coach. And, you know, he told me that I can make it, you know, to the NFL. And if I just keep doubling down on just grinding with him and getting after it. And, you know, I really took that to heart. And it was actually that summer going into my fifth year, I had a, a life-changing experience. Um, I was out in Haiti doing missionary work. And one night, it was May 29th, 2015, and our compound was raided by eight armed bandits. They shot through the front door, um, you know, shot at us point blank range, used a, sh a woman's shawl to hog tie us, hands tied behind your back, feet tied to your, to your uh, feet tied to themselves and hands tied to your feet and blindfolded. And, you know, basically had a, you know, completely life-changing experience, saw my life flash in front of my eyes, pissed myself and didn't even realize it. And getting out of that, you know, awfully traumatic situation, it's a, it's a long story on its own, um, is what I think got me to the NFL. Um, I came back that summer, you know, I had some awful PTSD, but I had a mindset of nothing was as bad as experiencing something like that. So, you know, I'd be, you know, grinding with my tight end coach and, you know, other people are wanting to tap out or feeling sorry for themselves. And me, it was, I just knew it wasn't as bad as, you know, being covered in your own urine and, and tied up knowing that you're about to die. Um, so that kind of carry that with me today and kind of anything I do and kind of see no task is too troubling or too hard or, you know, I could run a 5k tomorrow and never ran anything like that in my life. And I could do it because it's not as bad as, like I said, being in Haiti and being in that same situation. So, I, you know, that's something that's really stuck with me. And, you know, like I said, overcoming that is why I think I made it to the NFL. Um, I went undrafted to the Arizona Cardinals in the 2016 draft and uh, played three years and just recently retired about two months ago. Yeah, so... That's, I mean, we're going to dive in deeper to a lot of the stuff you were just talking about, but that's kind of like the stuff that grabbed me about Hakeem is like, this guy's been through so much and, and he's doing so much with it. And you guys are really going to get to hear about, about all the, the things that he's been doing, which are just, I mean, I, I'm inspired by him. Um, so let's start with the, the first thing I saw from you that grabbed my attention so that video that I watched right after that workout at uh, six in the morning, it was Hakeem talking about being on the Arizona Cardinals and buying a fourplex um, using an FHA loan. He was renting out three of the units, living in one of them. And I mean, you can tell him a lot more than I can about the situation. Absolutely, yes. I bought a four-unit apartment building. Um, it cost me $268,000. And using an FHA loan, um, you can get, you can uh, purchase a single family, duplex, triplex, or fourplex with as little as 3.5% down. 
Um, and that's what I did. Um, I just finished my rookie year. I was paying two grand a month for rent. And I realized I was going to be, you know, spending $24,000 that year on rent, which would be essentially just going to air. Um, and that's when I kind of made that decision. So I bought that, that property, uh, came out of pocket only 13 grand and my tenants, my mortgage was about 1700 a month and my tenants covered the mortgage. Plus I came out on top, maybe like another hundred bucks or so after paying the expenses, paying my electric bill, paying the building's water bill and trash bill and paying taxes, paying my HOA fee, still um, made an extra hundred bucks on top of that. Um, and it was awesome. So when I got cut, I took that unit that I was living in and Airbnb'd it um, and then went to the Detroit Lions and did the same exact thing with a duplex, bought, bought a duplex, lived downstairs. Airbnb out upstairs and live for free. Man, that's so cool. And the reason it caught my attention is because I've been pretty interested in real estate um, as something that I potentially may want to do. And I've been learning a lot more about it. And I saw this story and I was just so like entranced almost by it. It's like, man, that's something that I would, I would do, but like, I wouldn't necessarily know how to do, um, but it's like just just being smart with the money like that from from the NFL that doesn't last forever. Um, going back to me saying that I wouldn't necessarily know how to do all that. Um, I know you utilized uh, your social capital as an NFL player um, to kind of get yourself in a position to learn enough about the local market and um, about just. I guess, house hacking, paying or using uh, your tenant's rent to pay back your mortgage. Um, can you talk a little bit about the process of, of research and education that went into doing all that? <clears throat> Absolutely. So it's, it's actually kind of twofold. It started back before the NFL draft. It was January of 2016. And I was just getting ready to start training for uh, training for the, uh, my pro day or the combine, but I wasn't a combine guy. And uh, my commute every day was an hour and a half each way to the place I trained at. So I had about three hours of driving plus an hour for lunch, which is about four hours. And instead of listening to music and stuff like that, during that time, I actually, I mean, I downloaded, I mean, every podcast based around real estate and listened to every audio book based around real estate. And that's with four hours a day. So you, you do the math for four months straight for six days out of the week um it was it was intense but it was it was necessary and i learned so much and it's crazy because i remember listening to those podcasts and like listening to people and like thinking like man that's that's so cool like some of these people are doing some of these things like i can't i can't wait to when i can maybe be on a podcast and like tell my story like once i get to one of these places and it's like crazy like being here right now um but I took that time and really educated myself and, you know, doubled down on figuring out, you know, if, if, if football doesn't work out, if I don't get drafted or go undrafted in, um, when is that, April, then I'm just going to do real estate. And if I do get picked up by a team, I'm still going to do real estate in that market. And when I was with the Cardinals, what I did was first, as soon as, as soon as the off season started, I took, there's a site called biggerpockets.com, which is like the Facebook for real estate. 
and I made an account there and I made a post introducing myself, explaining who I was. My name is Hakeem Ballas. I'm a tight end for the Arizona Cardinals and um, look into, I think I said house hack my first property, which is, the, that's the technique or method and what I did with that fourplex um, and network with other local investors in the Phoenix area. Um, like, you know, feel free to message me and reach out and probably like 30 to 50 people got back to me and I took all of them out to coffee or lunch. And in that time, I, I mean, essentially, I picked their back. It's the worst thing to say. Don't, don't ever ask anybody to pick their brain because it's a, it's not, it's, it's not a, it doesn't sound great when you, when you say, hey, man, can I pick your brain? Like nobody wants their brain picked. Um, but I, I pretty much sat down with all those people and really got to learn about their processes, learn about you know, walk their properties with them, learn about the problems and the troubles they face, get their advice on kind of what I wanted to do, get their thoughts and advice on the Phoenix market and what are the good neighborhoods, what are the neighborhoods to stay away from. Um, and it was awesome because, you know, they were more than willing and excited to meet with me as a professional athlete. And I was, you know, beyond excited to learn about all these properties and walk in these properties and, you know, figuring out their SOPs and how they handle tenants and property managers and kind of things like that. And it was really, really, uh, it was a really interesting time. It was just all comes down to just the process. Yeah. And that, like I keep saying, cause I can't stop saying it. That was just so inspiring to me for so many reasons and not even from a real estate perspective, but just the idea of like, you know, you always hear your your coaches or player development, whatever, when you're in college telling you about all the alumni want to talk to you now while you're a student athlete here and all the great things it's going to do for your job opportunities. But like you can increase that exponentially because like, yeah, it's one thing to see it on a resume afterwards. But when you start building that relationship, you know, while you're a current athlete and you give this person an extra reason to be invested in you or invested in your team or program. Um, I think you can really just do so much for you going forward professionally, like whether or not you make, make it in whatever sport you're trying to play. Um, and that's, I mean, really what I've learned so much of from talking to you and, um, looking at your different content, um, just just how to really take advantage of the situation I'm in. Um, so, I mean, to, talking to student athletes, what are kind of some of the biggest problems you see with uh, them not, or, or what, are the, what are the biggest things that student athletes aren't doing, in your opinion, that they should be doing to kind of, you know, propel themselves professionally? Um, I think there's a couple of things. Uh, one, I think it starts, uh, it, it comes down to them just caring too much about what other people think, caring too much about what their teammates think, caring too much about what the girl on campus or guy on campus will think um, if you do things like that. And I think people just aren't taking enough risk just in fear of judgment. And I think, you know, some action items that I think people should and could do is one, like you already have done and taken the action, which I really, really commend you. It's admirable is start your own podcast. Um, I think audio is one of the greatest um, tools of 2019. And it's something that's just very, very, that you can market fairly easily. 
and you can just be a, a streamline or a funnel of excellent information or knowledge or insight from by the different guests that you have on. And then you can build your brand at an exponential rate if you can make solid back-end content on each guest that comes on your show, which now compels that guest to now share your content, which will now, in a sense, bring you more viewers or business or audience to your brand, to your page, and just like a, a genuine following, which will now propel you to become a thought leader in the space that your podcast is in. So whether that's Game of Thrones, whether that's football, whether that's entrepreneurship, whether that's real estate, whether that's just having conversations, conversations with kids, you know, conversations with high school kids or, you know, middle school kids about what's going on at school today or I don't know. There's there's so many different angles that you can kind of take with a podcast and you can just at the end of the day be you. And the thing that helps with a podcast is that it makes it a, a, a lot less uncomfortable introduction to whoever you're trying to reach. Meaning if you wanted to, you know, if you had a real estate podcast and you wanted to talk to some big time real estate developer, instead of just sending him a DM saying like, hey, Mr. Real Estate Developer, you know, I'd love to, you know, sit down with you and ask you something like that. You know, I'd love to, if you, if you could teach me how to invest in real estate, that would be great. And like, he's more than likely to not get back to you. Whereas if you said, hey, Mr. Real Estate Investor, I love what you're doing. I see your projects all around town. I'd love to have you as a guest on my podcast. And like now he's more compelled to say, yeah, because it's a win-win now for him because he gets to promote his brand, talk about the things that he's doing, and then now you get to learn about all the things that you wanted to learn about anyway. And you can ask those questions on your podcast. But then to make it even better, you're also of being a value add to your audience because you're streamlining solid information to them. And then I think there's, there's other options to do too is I, I take advantage of every single social media platform. Um, you know, college market, we tend to focus mainly on Instagram. And if you do that, your, your brand is not going, your, your brand is going to live forever, but the platforms won't. So if you don't start developing yourself on every platform, then you're going to miss out on a lot of things, meaning you should be on Instagram, you should be on Facebook, you should be on Twitter, you should be on Snapchat if you want. I'm not crazy about Snapchat. Um, You should be on TikTok. Um, You should be on YouTube, have your own YouTube account. And you should be using all those brands. I mean, Instagram is probably your main, your main, if it's your main thing, that's your main thing. So squeeze it for what it's got, but you should always be testing and learning and using all the other platforms because those days that Instagram goes down, that's when you get a taste of your own medicine. When Instagram goes down for two hours and everybody's freaking out and goes to Twitter. And the number one thing that's trending on Twitter is did your Instagram or is your Instagram because everyone is tweeting, is your Instagram down or is your Instagram acting up because everyone flops from Instagram to Twitter when Mm -hmm. things like that happen. But if you're just building a brand equally on every platform, LinkedIn, everything, then when Instagram goes down, it doesn't matter that you continue to do what you were doing because you have an audience and a following on every platform instead of, you know, I don't post on LinkedIn because I have no connections or I don't post on YouTube because I have zero subscribers. Like you got to start somewhere and start building your brand there. So when the day that all those platforms go away and it's just YouTube, 
you're going to be irrelevant if you haven't built a brand yet. But the guy who has 100,000 or a million subscribers, like, don't be mad at that person because they decided to build their brand there. Um, I think it's, it's, it ultimately just comes down to though to just not caring what other people think. Because I think in the college market, I was just having a conversation with my business partner. We were teammates in college and we were talking about imagine if we actually documented the things that we did when we were in college like some of the conversations we had or just put a camera down in the middle of a lunchroom table some of the conversations we had or like just some of the funny things that we did and that kind of comes down to the thesis of document and don't create meaning you don't have to have the pressure of putting a camera right in front of your face and saying some insightful or being a funny person or making the next viral video just document your truths because humans are inherently special and if you document those truths and then create micro content and repurpose that content for all the different platforms. You can have a you can build a solid brand, and whoever has the most content at the end of the day is going to win. Um, I know that was a long-winded answer, but I think that's probably the, the the best strategy and advice that I have for college kids that are out there. But ultimately, it comes down to not caring. Yeah, and I I love so much of what you just said, um, because. You know, like you feel like there's so many barriers to entry for all this stuff, but for for most of these social media platforms, like it's just it's essentially free. Like maybe for a podcast you want to get a good microphone or whatever, but like even that's not gonna run you more than you know, a hundred bucks. Like the biggest barrier to entry is like people come up with excuses, but the biggest barrier is ultimately uh people you know caring what what people think about what you're doing on this sort of stuff um in reality everyone can really just go out and do it and i don't think i had that sort of insight in, into the ease of you know of, of really going out and starting to build something until i spoke uh to you um yeah man so i love all that so uh, going back real quick to your NFL career, um, you played for pretty much the last three years, right? And this is your first year, um, first year as a full-time real estate investor. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, um, my, my question to you is, uh, you probably, I mean, a lot of times NFL careers are cut short for a lot of different reasons, but for you, it was you know, you decided to retire and go do real estate. Can you talk about making that decision? Um, what went into it? Why, why did you, why did you end up deciding that? Um, I think a lot of factors played into it. Um, and ultimately came down to, I'm also a father of a 10 month old daughter. And, you know, I really couldn't be the, the real estate investor I wanted to be and the father I wanted to be. And, playing the NFL, it just the time did not make sense anymore. Um, and, you know, leveraging finances right while I played, um, was able to put us in a position to actually be able to, to walk away with a smooth transition. Yeah, and I think that's, I mean, that's so difficult for so many people to understand because everyone that's at home watching games every Sunday is like, ultimately just dreaming about themselves being out there, be, being able to do that. But 
and and I've heard you say this before, but like when you when you're doing something every single day and and you don't absolutely love it, it's like it's still work. As many as many people as are dreaming about doing that and and think it would be such such an amazing career path, like it's still work if it's not what you love, if it's not your number one focus. Absolutely. Um, you know, it was, it was, it, it was, I wouldn't say it was hard. It was, it was easy because, you know, I'm still grinding though. I'm grinding, you know, working 12, 14 hour days, just at the desk, making calls, shooting emails, um, making the right connections, analyzing deals, been traveling like once or twice a week. Um, so it's work, it's a grind, but I know I couldn't do all of this if I was still playing in the league. And I know I wouldn't have been able to experience a lot of the things that I'm, you know, experiencing with my daughter lately if I was still playing football. So it's 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 really paying off. Yeah, that's really great stuff. Um, going going back to college and your background a little bit, I know that you always had this knack for kind of entrepreneurship and going out and making money in whatever ways that you could, um, and you ended up majoring in, in business with this focus in real estate. Um, why, why real estate and why is real estate the thing that you fell in love with and, and ultimately wanted to do? Um, it really came down to, you know, I was made real estate my major back when I was you know, in high school still. Um, and it was an attractive major. I always liked real estate. My wealthiest probably family member or uncle was a real estate investor. And I knew I needed to and wanted to get into real estate because um, I wanted to experience financial freedom. And so I made my major business with a concentration in real estate because Monmouth offered it. And, um, you know, it was, an, it was an awesome major. We got to tour different sites, um, meet different developers, learn about cap rates, yields, NOIs, returns, all that kind of stuff at such an early age. And then, like... At the same time, I was I had an ex-girlfriend whose dad was a house flipper, and he took me under his wing, and we flipped houses together in North Jersey um, for about three years while we were while me and his daughter were together, and that was that was an awesome experience because I got to learn hand in hand as like a number two to a house flipper. You know, his cousin was a general contractor. Um, he was the muscle and the brains, and I was kind of the 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 sweat equity. And I was, you know, knocking down walls, putting down floors, driving neighborhoods, writing down addresses, writing direct mail letters and putting them in doors, putting in offers on pre foreclosures, um, touring properties. I mean, I hired some teammates one time to come up to North Jersey with me because we were putting a uh, master bedroom in an attic. So we needed to put a stairwell in and the stairwell wouldn't fit through the front door, but there was a big enough window on the second floor. And we literally lifted a stairwell and I don't know if you've ever seen a stairwell outside of a, like a staircase. Um, so we literally had four of my teammates help me lift it to the second floor while we grabbed it in the air. It was very unorthodox, wow. um, probably an insurance nightmare, but it wound up working. And it was, those are, t those are the type of things <laughs> that I did and kind of what made me fall in love with real estate. Yeah, so it was just the repetitive. I mean, the the you had the initial interest and the exposure, um, kind of 
hooked you into it. Um, so there's so many different things, which I'm discovering right now as someone who has that initial interest in real estate. There's so many different things that you can do within real estate. You can manage, you can flip properties. There's a million different types of properties to invest in. Um, what generally is it that you like to invest in and with what strategies and why is that what you ultimately settled on versus, you know, all the other options that there are out there within real estate? Um, <clears throat> I like to buy and hold uh, multifamily in the value add space. Um, the main reason why I picked it, it's pretty practical. It's just because it's probably one of the safest um, and most scalable investments that you can do. Um, safest in the sense that it's not an A-grade granite countertop type of property. Um, it's in the value add space. So that B minus C plus range type of property where they're almost recession proof when it comes to rents and things like that. Um, and multifamily over single family mainly because um, with multifamily, it's scalable. Meaning if you have a hundred unit apartment building versus a hundred single family houses across town, it's a lot easier to manage and use economies of scale with that one property under one roof you have one roof versus a hundred roof um you know one central system versus a hundred of them it's it can become a handyman's nightmare and uh in terms of buy and hold versus fix and flip um i like to hold because i'm looking for passive i'm just looking to gain passive wealth and build residual income and sometimes when you fix and flip, you're, you're getting taxed at a you're getting taxed at a very very high rate. Um, when you fix and flips, you're not really actually seeing a lot of that profit that you know what you see when you see on HGTV or when you see the when you do the math on a piece of paper. Um, you can take out a solid percentage of that on taxes. Um, and the buy and hold strategy tends to uh, be in be in favor of taxes, depending on what you do when you just when you sell the property. Um, you can do something called a 1031 exchange or take those capital gains and put them in an opportunity zone fund um, and still shelter yourself from taxes. Um, so it's uh, it's very practical why I, cho why I chose my strategy. It's more of the less risky and more scalable. <clears throat> yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and I guess I, I was kind of wondering also, uh like with with your different investments like th this has been your first year as a full-time real estate real estate investor um how have you been able to see your your own businesses and investments grow um with you being able to dedicate so much of your time and where do you kind of see them going uh in the immediate future um, I've just been able to acquire, you know, I just acquired a seven unit apartment building. Um, looking to uh, put some offers in on a couple of multifamilies in uh, Florida and Kansas City as well. Um, so it's 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 just allowed me to get a lot more of a peace of mind and clear my headspace so I can actually be focused on getting back to people, returning phone calls, returning emails, um, ripping on the phones, and like try and make sure you're just keeping those connections warm and hot. And um, being able to actually travel and be anywhere at the drop of the dime if you need to be versus 
in football season you just you physically can't and mentally it, it, it becomes almost draining and you can get to a point of almost burnout if you're in the middle of a season or even in the middle of off-season workouts because the workouts can be rough depending on what team you're on yeah and real estate is a kind of thing where like you see you get as much out of it as you put into it where um you kind of are on your own schedule and and a lot of your days are different um but i know you and i've spoken to you and like you're still working just as hard if not harder um, than you were when you were in the NFL uh, to be successful at what you're doing. Um, so how, and I know a big reason for your retirement was to spend more family time. Um, have you, has the increase been kind of as good as you'd hoped? Um, or do you still find yourself doing so, so much like you're, you're so business oriented all the time and really trying so hard to grow your business or is it, has it paid off for sure? No, it's paid off and it's definitely been fulfilling. Um, it's still obviously a, a race. Um, the more free time, the more things you find to do in terms of business and work and opportunities and being able to actually be creative uh, mentally. So no, it's been very, very fulfilling. Awesome. So I want to talk a little bit more about your experience in Haiti as well, if you don't mind, because that's not something that, you know, a lot of people go through at some point in their life, especially um, in the U.S., uh, and and how that really changed your outlooks. Absolutely. It, uh, it definitely made me understand the value of life. Uh, most people don't experience things like that. And... Um, you know, you could be in a third world country providing help, providing medicine at different churches and orphanages. And then just like that, at the snap of a finger, you could be blindfolded and tied up, um, staring death in its eye and, you know, watching life flash in front of your eyes. Um, so it makes you really, truly appreciate every opportunity and be grateful for every single day, um, you know, versus kind of just living aimlessly and not you know, necessarily having a, a plan or having or being inspired or just being grateful um, just because of, you know, just precious value of life. I mean, 400 trillion to one is the odds of even just being a human, you know, so for people who haven't experienced something like myself, like going, you know, almost dying in Haiti, just know that the odds of you just being here is 400 trillion to one. Like you could have been a desk or you could have been a dollar bill. Or you could have been a camera, you know what <laughs> I mean? But like you're, you're a human. Like just because your parents yeah. had sex in that position at that certain time, is the reason that you're here, and that's it. And that's you know wild to think about. Where does that statistic come from? Out of curiosity, uh, I have no idea. I heard or Gary V say it. Something that you've kind of hung on to. Heard Gary V say it. Um, All right. So I figured he's not going to be lying. To, to, that's reputable. Or for some me. BS. Yeah. So that's all I needed to hear. So. It makes sense because you know yeah. I, I frame my value to life of what happened to me in Haiti, but for other people, if you can just understand that you know, four hundred trillion to one is those are insane odds if you think about it. Like you're already a walking miracle. Yeah, that's that is amazing to think about. Um, 
how, and this is a tough question to answer, but I know from the value of life perspective, it made you just want to work that much harder to, to make it, um, both to the NFL and I'm still for, for the rest of your life, it's going to follow you around that experience and it's effect it had on you. But, um, how different do you think things would be for you if everything on that trip kind of had gone according to plan? Like you went down there, provided your, your service and your health, and then you came back in time for your senior year. Um, I don't know. I think that's how life kind of plays out and you can never question or look back on things like that mainly just because okay that doesn't happen cool so then the plane or say the when I got home instead of me having to go to therapy because I've seen therapists for my PTSD instead of those therapy sessions I could have been I could have been hit by a bus I could have been I could have been shot by a cop and unarmed for no reason because I was doing something else. I was driving somewhere else and it was a completely different place and time. But that's just, that's the beauty of the universe. You can't ever question kind of what happens because you're here for a reason. And it, you know, I could have been, I, you know, God could have been protecting me from completely something else. He knew I was going to make it out of that. But if I did something else, if I would have, I didn't leave early and got on the other plane and then on the plane with my parents. Um, maybe that plane had too much weight and that plane crashed or something. Like you, you just never know. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I don't, uh, yeah. I, I, I think I'd still, I, I think I'd still be successful. I'd hope I'd still be successful. Um, but you never know. Like you, you really never know. I could have, you know, I, I could have gotten injured my senior year because I didn't, you know what I'm saying? I, uh, that workout that I got excused from because I thought I was, cause I was bawling my eyes out because I had PTSD. Like, you know what I'm saying? I could actually did that workout and tore my hamstring and had to get surgery. And then, you know what I'm saying? Like, you, know, you never know. Or got heat poisoning and died. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I feel like that never knowing just goes to illustrate the point just as much that like, it is an anomaly to be here and you don't know what's going to happen. And that's again, just more reason to go out and do what you want to do without fears of what other people think or whatever else might be, you know, bothering you. So, I mean, I think whether or not, you know, it like all goes to illustrate the same sort of point. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, I mean, that's a crazy experience and I'm grateful that you're, you're willing and open to talk about it and, um, how it's kind of affected you and the outlooks that you have. So, I mean, just in general, thank you, uh, for being open and honest like that. No, no doubt, bro. Uh, we have a final three questions that we ask, uh, everybody that comes through this podcast. Um, so if you're ready, um, I'll launch the first one at you. Yes, sir. I'm ready. All right. So what's one thing that you've read, watched, or listened to lately that kind of inspired you or that you think would be worth checking out for the audience? Uh, when They See Us. It's about the Central Park Five or the Exonerated Five. Um, back in the 80s, they were accused of brutally raping and um, assaulting a, the Central Park jogger. Um, and even back then, Donald Trump, for example, took out an $85,000 
one-page ad in the New York Times so that they could get executed and calling for their execution. Um, recently, last week, Trump was actually asked about that um, and still believes that the Central Park Five is guilty. Um, and that documentary is by Ava, I can't remember her last name, Dulaverni, I want to say, but she put that, she put together a beautiful, beautiful piece um, that inspired me to start actually double down and working on uh, the non a nonprofit that I'm working on. Wow, that's all. I mean, I didn't even know about that. Uh, I don't know how much you can say about it, but can you give a brief overview about what that nonprofit is? Oh, yeah. So I, yeah, I, have, I have a few investments um, within the cannabis industry, and I don't feel comfortable making money in the cannabis industry without giving back and uh, doing doing well for the people. Like, There's people still going to jail for it, people in jail for it, behind bars who may have gotten arrested for a nickel bag, a dime bag, a, something small and then went to jail for 30 days and then got in a fight and then stayed in jail for another 90 days and then got in another fight and then stayed in jail for a year and then their life is completely ruined off of a dime bag but now you in certain states you can have that and it's completely legal i don't think it's fair um so our nonprofit's gonna we're gonna allocate some funds um towards that um um because you know I've, I've two roommates that i've went to college with that are both one is about to actually take his bar exam the next couple of weeks. The other just got his master in law and um, they're going to kind of spearhead the legal side of it. Um, we're pretty much going to take it on a market by market basis, figure out what the issues are and figure out how we can make change. Man, that's super cool. I had no idea that uh, you were doing that. And it reminds me of some stuff that I've been listening to lately. Um, there's a podcast uh it's everywhere. They're just starting their fourth season, but it's called Ear Hustle. Um, and there's an inmate in San Quentin. I've heard of that. I just uh, heard of that. Basically, I, I think I told you about it on our last. Oh, that was you who told me about it. Oh, snap. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but, uh, but, <laughs> but um, it's, uh, I mean, it's really interesting to listen to stuff like that because you have, I mean, you just, they basically, the the main guy tells a lot of his story, but he goes around and they interview a lot of different uh, inmates who are in there as well, um, kind of about their backgrounds and different parts of daily life in prison. It's I mean, it's interesting to get that lens into another world, but there's one episode where they talk about um, the three strike rule in California prisons that basically if you commit uh, three like I don't know if it's like minor felonies or misdemeanors or something. It's, you commit three something, you end up basically in jail for like a minimum of like 50 years. And there's guys in there who've done things that are, you know, there's one guy, his third offense, he he robbed a liquor store for $40 out of the cash register and ended up with 50 years to life. Mm. Um, and I mean, yeah, so it's just like stuff like that. I mean, there's all sorts of problems with the prison system and, and it's hard to, you know, I'm not one to, I don't know enough about it to try to suggest reform or anything, but that's, I mean, I think that's a really, really cool venture that you have and um, a totally, I mean, that's an awesome idea to try to, to help those people out in a system that isn't fair. Absolutely. I appreciate that. Yeah. So uh, my next question to you is uh, who or what? was your biggest help or inspiration to figuring out that, you know, this is what you're passionate about and 
who or what inspired you to really act on it? Uh, hmm. Definitely my daughter and my fiance. Uh, probably the closest ones to me. My daughter, my fiance, my dad. Um, you know, really, really, uh, really, really inspired me. Really, you know, kind of uh, rode with my decision and uh, helped me double down on it um, and gave me the support that I needed. Yeah, that's that's really great. The support from the family is always big time. Um, so the very last question, uh, where is your compass pointed right now? Uh, so my compass is pointed, I mean, right now I'm just trying to, it's pointed towards the future, but right now I'm trying to really, really, really pick up my speaking engagements, get more into the corporate world. Um, and then with real estate, really, really starting to hone in with my systems. Um, so I can uh, really double down on that and make, make my real estate business, um, scale. Awesome. Um, thank you so much for, uh, joining me today and i mean i hope you guys are inspired as inspired by hakeem's story as i am as i mean i've probably mentioned like five times throughout this podcast but um i mean if if you like what you're listening to you can pretty much thank him for getting this really rolling for me um but yeah hakeem if you want uh if anyone listening wants to reach out to you ask you some questions about real estate or you know building their brand if they're a student athlete whatever um, what's the best best place for uh, people to reach you at? Absolutely, my uh, my Instagram is at hawkvalis80, so it's at h a k v as in Victor a l l e s, and then the number eighty, and that's also my Twitter, and my LinkedIn is my first and last name, Hakeem Vallis. Um, those are probably the best best three ways to reach out to me, um, and just shoot me a direct message there, or if you want to shoot me an email, shoot me an email at. Um, my first and last name, Hakeem Vallis dot speaks S P E A K S at gmail.com. All right, man. Uh, thank you again for, you know, helping me formulate this idea to put this whole thing together. Thank you for being open and honest and sharing your story. Um, I look forward to getting on the line with you again soon. That sounds good. My brother, I really appreciate you having me. Uh, thanks again. This was awesome. Now, as some of you could probably tell, this interview took place a little while ago. Um, I need to put it out there, though, because Hakeem helped me so much with this idea and just always inspires me to go out there and just go do it, whatever it is. Um, and I can't thank him enough for that. Uh, and I hope you guys feel the same way after listening to him talk. Um, with that said, thank you for tuning in again. Uh, we got some more episodes for you guys, and I can't wait for you to check them out. Stay stignacious. Stignacious.